All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always, in the blockhouse with Kelly. Another day, another summer day. Mm-hmm. Music video month is way behind us now. How's it going? Oh, uh, better. Yeah. You you know what's hard to do is pour anything from a shot glass into another glass. And it's even harder to pour something from a shot glass, which has kind of like a wide mouth considering the size of the container, into something with a smaller mouth. For instance, if someone was like... This is hypothetical, though. Right. Hypothetically, if someone was like not a classy person, let's say. Like the opposite of classy. I'm not going to go trashy. I'm going to go budget. If a budget individual (laughs) did not want to dirty a glass... Right. And they just poured their alcohol into their mixing beverage that was already in an aluminum can. Ooh, okay. But they wanted to measure the quantity of alcohol going into... And I know I'm wasting glass with a shot glass. Shot glass seems manageable. Anyway, pouring the shot glass directly into the aluminum can. Right. Difficult. Yeah, for sure. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, this is not a mixology mm. podcast. Not yet. Not yet. But someday we will definitely get there. No, this is a podcast about Bob Dylan. Obviously. Obviously. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number representing a closed fist in classical Persian finger counting. What the fuck? Zero. It's a not zero? Is it 10? Is and it six? This week, if we you listen to it must be six if using epic, my hand. Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack. <laughs> The festival was over and the boys were all planning for a fall The cabaret was quiet except for the drilling in the wall The curfew had been lifted and the gambling wheel shut down Anyone with any sense had already left town He was standing in the doorway looking like the jack of hearts to the epic Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts off of 1975's Blood on the Tracks. And more recently, uh, we've been able to listen to, uh, if you're a longtime Bob Dylan fan, you have surely sought out the New York Sessions and you've heard Take Two, the, the long acoustic cut, the only full take besides the one on Blood on the Tracks uh, before. But if you haven't, it's on More Blood, More Tracks, the Bootleg Series Volume 14, and it is superb. But I'm not here to talk about that just yet. Kelly, how was your week with this song? Traditionally, you hate long songs, but yeah, did this one feel long to you? Oh, yeah. It was miserable. Um, I think I this might be the fewest amount of times that I listen to a song that we've done. Like, I usually probably like 10, 10-ish times. This one, I think I struggled through it maybe three times. I just could not stand it. Uh, it was I'm awful. so sorry to everyone listening out there. <laughs> pull your pull your mouth off of the floor. It's okay. We're going to continue on with this podcast anyway. I promise it will be high quality regardless yeah, of what's terrible. happening across. The, uh, the more blood, more tracks version was 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 fine. Superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we might as well just jump right into it. So, okay. qu- quick context: uh, this was one of the first songs written for Blood on the Tracks. Um, it wasn't actually. Um, known that this was the direction he was going to go in, but it was written right around the time, right before Tangled Up in Blue. So it's a direct predecessor to Tangled Up in Blue. And it's the only song on Blood on the Tracks that's told from a third person. 
we have two takes that we listened to. Uh, one of them was a three minute take. And at the end he says, it's too long. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Even he is exasperated. Uh, and then he quickly followed it up with a perfect version, which was different. Admittedly crazy. He's just Extroverse, like, I'm going to slow this down. You know what takes longer when I slow it down. So let me slow it down. Can we add a verse? I want to add a verse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we have that take from September 16th, 1974. And then he went off on holiday, went back to Minnesota. He's just hanging out and he's like, you know what? Fuck those takes. I'm going to go to Studio 80. I'm going to go to Sound 80 Studio in Minneapolis, and I'm going to get some randos to play these songs for me. He instructed his musicians, quote, this is a long song. Just keep playing. When you think it ends, it doesn't. So just keep playing. That's a terrible sign. And I don't know if I'm mad at the organist for going along with it or mad at Bob Dylan for making him do it. Mostly mad at We're Bob We're going to have to talk about the organist because okay. it, when you listen to the song, even three times, it's more than you normally will. If you're listening to it on the context of the record, it's quick. It's night. It's a nice song to break up the flow. And then you kind of get back into the sad stuff. But when you're listening to this like 10 times, I mean, I probably listened to it about 10 times this week. That organ starts to really get on your nerves. Oh, there was no start. It just immediate. That didn't. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in one second. The <laughs> final thing I did tell you earlier that he has never played this live. And that is a lie. He has played this one time live. On the very last day of the Rolling Thunder Review Tour, oh, no 1976, May 25th, 1976, in Salt Lake City, Utah, I've never been able to find a bootleg of it. And I don't think that there's one that exists as far as I know. Um, so that might just be lost. Lost in time forever. Hey, Nobody lost. Thought. Oh, lost. Wow. Oh, yeah, that works really well. Oh, here. We can It was so long that he had to write cues on his sleeves so that he wouldn't mess up the verse. And he also duetted it with Joni. Hmm. With Joni. With Joan Baez, uh, who is on our playlist for covering this song, which we will talk about intermittently. We're not going to go too deep into it. It was fine. It was maybe better. I don't know. Oh, 100%. So, Definitely right. better. Pick up your jaws off the floor, <laughs> people. In fact, just keep them down. Just keep them down. This is going to be a long episode. Uh, we, we listened to essentially three versions. We listened to the Blood on the Tracks, the official one. We listened to the Bootleg Series acoustic versions. And then we also listened to the recently released Thunder, uh, Rolling Thunder box set has a rehearsal not the full song, again, just about three minutes, but does portend to some cool... I mean, even if that's the type of version they played for Rolling Thunder, that would be pretty rad. It would, it would, it would, yeah, it would have been better. awesome to see. Um, so let's just start with the de facto, the default version, which is Blood on the Tracks. Uh, Bob Dylan is on vocal, guitar, harmonica. We got Greg Inhofer on keyboards. Poor Sorry, guy. Greg. Uh, Billy Peterson on bass, the hero for sure. And Bill Berg on drums, hero. Amazing. The drums are excellent. The bass is excellent. The keyboardist... Ooh, that was a rough go. Um, they did the best they could. You, you, to you, this was too long, too much. Oh, way too long, and it's just repetitive. Like it, the There's organ no is like a drill in your brain because it's just <laughs> maybe that's what they were going for, Jesus. But yeah, it's like two chords for eternity, and it just mm. makes me so angry. And even the harmonica, I was so mad at it, it was awful it, it opened with it i know it sounded like a saw it sounded like a fucked up like donkey like and then you have like with the organ the worst the worst yeah amazing amazing i love the twinkly guitar sound there was a in guitar between, in that song. Yeah, oh when God. he was playing the guitar. In between the verses, like after every, after like the first and second line of the verse, before it gets a little bridge, there's a little... Oh, yeah, sure. I couldn't hear anything over the rage. 
Uh, I also think his emoting and his voice are preferable on this version too, um, to the other ones. And he does we're, with three versions that we have two full ones and one, uh, non full one, the, the, the take one mm. on the bootleg series volume 14. Um, he changes the way that he does the verses on all three of them. Like on verse two, if we just move on to the bootleg series volume 14 versions, he sings like the Jack of hearts, different like when he gets to that refrain just like the jack of hearts sometimes it's it's more upbeat when it's on blood on the tracks like turn their heads then he walked up to a stranger and he asked him with a grin could you kindly tell me friend what time the show begins then he moved into the corner face down like the jack of hearts And said that it sounded like up to me, the song. Yeah. I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, Jeez, wow. Wow. Pun unintended, fully unintended. <laughs> but you came up to me and said that this sounded like up to me. And th- I think you're totally right. I think especially for the first version, the first verse, because it's that fast acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. And it's just kind of the same thing, but it's so fast that it's like you're going to get in and out lickety split. But this one doesn't have so much emotion. No. But there's a story. There's something happening here. And if you want it to happen to it, that's cool. If you don't, and we are definitely going to do that today. One way or the fucking other, yeah. we are getting to the bottom of what's happening. Well, he song. certainly wrote a short story and then like put a musical backing track right. to it. And so that's what makes it weird because it, it was happening. Well, I mean, he did that with Tangled Up in Blue. I mean, if Tangled Up in Blue literally follows this, then he's clearly in a narrative state of mind and he wants to tell a story. But clearly, Tangled Up in Blue, as we talked about, unfortunately, on episode three and not a later episode when we are doing this podcast way better than that. And I, I do not go listen to Tangled Up in Blue. <laughs> but in that one, we talk about the disjointed structure and how things are happening out of time. And this one, I think some people are confused by it a little bit. And I don't see the confusion. To me, this is a straight up, straight down narrative. Oh, I think yeah. there's ambiguity on who did what and what happened and who are these characters. But I don't think there's any ambiguity that something is happening out of time or out of place, um, especially not leaving place and then coming back to a different time. Like we no, might jump ahead. Lin- I think it's linear. It's for completely sure. linear yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's no jumping back. We might go to a different place or have a different location or different people, but it is fully in the spot. Um, in terms of these, though, just to stay with with the the songs, we love Bob with an acoustic guitar. I think he sounds great. The 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 recording of it is fantastic. The rehearsals for Rolling Stone are really fascinating. This is something I think nobody really knew about until this box set because this was all unreleased stuff. Oh, for Rolling Thunder. For the Rolling, sorry, for the Rolling Thunder yeah. box set was was incredible because it was all basically unreleased stuff. I, I had never heard of it before, and uh, I love I love I think the it piano. Would have been a, like a amazing Scarlet. version, Scarlet just adds mm. such a good dimension of it because it's a way to make something sound from a certain time period. Like it's a way to kind of country western it without it being an organ for eternity. Yeah, but that, and that doesn't really add to the country western no, vibe of it at I all. I mean, all that really gives you the country western feel at all in this song, honestly, is the um, unfortunate, terrible harmonica and the bass, the bouncing bass line. Yeah. Doo, 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 doo. Doo. yeah. Which is, I love. I love the bass. Uh, even that's. Oh After eight minutes, nothing is pleasant. <laughs> this, is the, this is one of the best songs.
have talked about ballads before. Would you classify this as a ballad? Yes. In the ballads that we have talked about, ballad of Hollis Brown. Then yes. Yeah, because it's telling mm. a story. But I mean, Boots of Spanish Leather, we also said was a ballad. It's mm. more of a longing. See, that's what I'm saying. I thing. feel like ballads a moving target. Also, like 80s. It's more like a narrative metal song, bands, right? like hair metal bands, called their songs ballads. Well, I know. Right? D- today, so. ballads are definitely, when you think of it, you don't think of a crazy upbeat bass and, and drums and, and mm-hmm. uh, harmonica going nuts. You, you think, think of the slow track, the mandatory slow track. Or you think of Boots of Spanish Leather. I mean, it's a longing, mm-hmm. sad song yeah. where you're a ballad, which is singing about loss and pain and grief and not about like, you know, robbing some rich fuck yeah. and, and bouncing from town. But I mean, they are really ballads. Um, there's a great, uh, there's a great website and a great magazine called No Depression uh, which looks at Roots music, and Anne Margaret Daniel wrote about the release of the Bootleg Series Volume 14, and this song in particular said, quote, Dylan has always been the master of the ballad, that ancient form, and the best way ever to tell and remember a story. Homer sang his to remember. Uh, Homer sang his stories too, remember, and the ballad writers follow him. At first, Dylan sang the ballads of others and then began writing his own about heroes and heroines like Emmett Till and Hattie Carroll. He moved to the realm of imagination of thin men, denizens of Desolation Row, and to Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, and he's clearly happy here with with a Western epic all his own. It plays just like a movie, and as does the soon-to-be-written Black Diamond Bay, which we also did. And that's what I said when we first got this. I said, think of Black Diamond Bay, that's a perfect example. However, there's not the the jump cut of him hanging out in L.A., sort of a meta commentary on what he's watching on TV. This is definitely taking place in a, in a real time yeah. um, within the context of whatever. Black Diamond Bay, better song. Better song. I I think so, too. Yeah. I think I, I, I much prefer the scarletness of the desire. Yes. This has always been an outlier for me, especially on Blood on the Tracks. But I think you just get so wrapped up in it. And I think it's just age and it's time. You spend time with this record. I can't imagine the song not being on there. Does it have anything to do with the lore of Blood on the Tracks? No. It's the, I mean, it has. it is absolutely not like any of the other songs, which hmm. maybe makes it more fun because it really breaks up everything. It's like song number seven on the on the thing. But yeah, we talked about Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. We listened to it on Rolling Thunder, mm-hmm. episode 26. Ballad of a Thin Man, Des- Desolation Row, she mentions. We listened to both of those on episode 50, uh, Highway 61 Revisited. Oh. The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest was on episode 27 when we listened to the whole John album. Harding, yeah. On the very first track, John Wesley Harding off that album about how he was into outlaws, pretty boy Floyd, mm-hmm. the Robin Hood types. And we don't get that from the Jack of Hearts. Like, I don't know what his motivations are, but you can see it's that kind of thing. He's like this mysterious stranger coming to town and sort of things happen. Uh, and then the ones we've specifically listened to, Ballad of Hollis Brown, Boots of Spanish Leather, Black Diamond Bay. And it feels like we're getting further away from the form, just like we talked about. This is definitely more of a Western. What we're going to do here is we're going to go through the lyrics of the song. And maybe we'll entice something out of you, Kelly, because you were hating on the song. And instead of going over what we think happens, I don't want to spoil anything. I feel like we can go sort of beat by beat. And where are our people? And you can tell me where your characters in your hopefully murderific murder Bob story are at a given time. In the liner notes to Blood on the Track, Pete Hamill, specifically writing about this song, says, quote, it should not be reduced to notes, which we are doing, or taken out of context, which we're definitely doing. Uh, it should be experienced in full, which granted we have done. 
some more than others. The compression of story is masterful, but it's a real wonder is in its spaces and what the artist left out of his painting. To me, that has always been the key to Dylan's art. To state things plainly is a function of journalism, but Dylan sings a more fugitive song, elusive, symbolic, full of imagery and ellipses, and leaving things out, he allows us the grand privilege of creating along with him. His song becomes our song because we live in those spaces. If we listen, if we work at it, we fill up the mystery and expand and inhibit and inhabit the work of art. It's the most democratic form of creation. Totalitarian art tells us what to feel. Dylan's art feels and invites us to join him. So Kelly, I'm going to have you start by reading the verse and then I will plainly put what's going on. And then we'll just kind of like riff about what's going on. Okay. I had to make the font extra small this week to fit on my booklet because there's so many fucking words in this song. I thought you were going to go extra big booklet. No, should have, could have, did not. Should have. <laughs> I want the big book. Too bad. The festival was over. The boys were all planning for a fall. The cabaret was quiet except for the drilling in the wall. The curfew had been lifted and the gambling wheel shut down. Anyone with any sense had already left town. He was standing in the doorway looking like the Jack of Hearts. Because he was the Jack of Hearts. Because he was the Jack of Hearts. So Jack of Hearts came to a town after a roving festival. The guards are gone. They've let, the, the people have let their guard down. The gambling wheel's been shut down. What is this curfew? I don't know. And in all the noise and hubbubaloo, the boys, they're drilling through the wall. Anyone with any sense has already left town, which is pretty telling that this song is going to be nonsensical. Everyone who has any sense are gone. <laughs> Therefore, it can I mean, only be immediately. I mean, what is that line? If saying, "Whoops, everyone, everyone who has any any purpose here is gone." What's the festival? Are they saying there was like a big event so in the town, and then yeah? So, well, and so if we're believing that the Jack of Hearts in my head is like a mysterious rover or a carnival barker, you know, like he's with the carnival or something, oh. he's with the festival, kind of going from town to town, and then he drills in the wall and steals. Gotcha. And okay. bounces. I mean, that's kind of like what I've always thought. So the festival being over, everybody's kind of gone back to their shit. Obviously, some of this takes place in a bar because he's getting the, the hanging judge drunk. Right. So I feel like the festival is over. People are kind of chilling out. But people that were maybe in town for the festival are gone. So now it's like the lull in between where the festivities are sort of winding down. But there's still enough action where, like, he can maybe slip in. Well, that's a good take. So it's like a this traveling band of outlaws, obviously. Right, we but, got the men drilling. The right, wall. but then there's it's under the pretense of like you you're able to bring all these people in because oh it's we're putting on a little show. Well, that's a great question though too, is hmm. because why didn't they hear the drilling in the wall? So we get a lot of clues later, and we'll talk about these later. It's kind of hard, but like we do hear that the the thing is closed for repairs. Hmm. Um, we hear that they're doing res- re- renovations. So like. Did he choose the place because it was being renovated or is that a ruse on top of itself? So right. people are used to the the noise. Oh, we're renovating. But really, we're not. We're fucking going into the wall. So like I, that is ambiguous. Right. Like I, I, We don't actually know the answer to that. But I want to know like the curfew. Like, I don't know. There's some little things in there where you're like, this is a dystopian world. Who lifted the curfew? Who are the people leaving? You know? Um, so yeah. Verse two. He moved across the mirrored room, set it up for everyone, he said. Then everyone commenced to do what they were doing before he turned their heads. Then he walked up to a stranger and asked him with a grin, could you, t- could you tell me, friend, what time the show begins? Then he moved to the corner, face down like the Jack of Hearts. Entitled outlaw, rakish good looks. Mm, uh, delicious. Bar- burst into a saloon slash uh, burlesque hall 
A right? cabaret, they call it. Later. Yeah, the cabaret. So I'm assuming this is like a, an old timey saloon thing where they, you can also rent rooms because <laughs> you know it's actually for prostitution, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So uh, he comes in and he's like, "Hey, don't mind me. I know I just made a big show coming in. Everyone, resume what you're doing. That's it. We just need to know character has entered. Entered. That's, That's it." That's fair. And the mirrored room is definitely a Western thing. So you have the mirrors. So you can see what's going so on. So you can see who's pulling the gun on you. And set it up for everyone is old timey slang for round on me, everybody. So he's given a round to everybody. Ah. So everyone is like, hey, this guy's this. all right. And, but then he like, com- then they go back to what they're doing. Uh, I think this is the first instance of a bit of a little bit of magic, a little bit of a uh, little something going on because it's almost as if they're uh, under a spell. Of some kind. The spell is probably alcohol. The spell, I was gonna, the spell of, of spirits. But also asking what time the show begins. You already know what time the show begins. <laughs> you already know what Because the party doesn't start till I walk in. Amen. <laughs> Verse three. Backstage, the girls were playing five cards stud by the stairs. Lily had two queens, but she was hoping for a third to match her pair. I thought that was about boobs. Outside, the streets were filling up. The window was open wide. Gentle breeze was blowing. You could feel it from inside. Lily called another bet and drew up the jack of hearts. Backstage, the girls are playing five card stud. Never thought about boobs, but that's hilarious. Uh, the show's going to begin soon, and there's people thronging the thoroughfare. They're looking outside the window, and there's people milling about, which implies, you know, the festival is kind of over. The nightly routine routines are happening, but they're also interject, interacting with the festival crowd. So it's kind of a lot going on out there. And Lily draws a jack of hearts, literally draws the jack of hearts. What could this portend? The game. What could this portend? Um, Lily uh, is definitely gambling. And because uh, five cards stud, I mean, it's an old it's a poker game, yeah. poker game. Yeah, it's one of the first games of poker made famous during the American Civil War. <laughs> Fallen out of favor. Have you ever played five? five That's one stud? of the only types of poker I have played, actually. Really? Yeah, it's definitely out of favor hmm. because. Um, Hold'em is like the yeah. Thing so people... Hold'em is that's the biggest one because yeah. then it's it's all mystery. What are we holding? We're right. all about bluffing. But yeah, with five cards, you're stud, playing if you the don't board, know, right? Yeah, you have one card that you know, mm-hmm. but the, everybody else sees your your potentially four that get laid down, but right. you kind of know when to pull and when not to pull. With Hold'em, it's like everyone's just bluffing one another. Right. Even if you have fucking nothing, at least some people know if you have nothing or not. So that's definitely, I, I can't remember the last time I played it, but I've definitely mm-hmm. yeah, played it before, but it's not something you hear about all the time. Verse four, Big Jim was no one's fool. He owned the town's only diamond mine. He made his usual entrance looking so dandy and so fine. With his bodyguards and silver cane and every hair in place, he took whatever he wanted to and he laid it all to waste. But his bodyguards and his silver cane were no match for the Jack of Hearts. Incredibly well-dressed, dapper man whose name inexplicably is Big Jim, which would really not happen as a character described as such. But that's fine. Uh, Rich asshole enters bar and makes it known that he has eyes for Lily, right? No? Oh, no, no. Rich asshole enters bar with cronies. With cronies. Yes. His employees, less even cronies. Mm -hmm. More just employees. Yeah, his brute strength is no match for the Jack of Hearts cunning. You know, because we don't know if the Jack of Hearts is some powerful guy. We assume he's not because he's planning. He's going to play a little game. Well, I wonder why, how they would already know they were no match for the Jack of Hearts. So this must be from the perspective of the Jack of Hearts, I think, who is full of himself. And it's like, these guys, not. I think it's that's a wise point right there is the telling of the story, which thankfully, and we'll actually talk about interjection because some of Dylan's lyrics almost veered in that direction, almost like a Black Diamond Bay where he almost interjects himself like the narrator into the song where it's being told i don't think that there i don't think it's from anyone's perspective because the jack of hearts is not able to see some of the stuff that's happening Mm -hmm. but yet he's he's just kind of a a frame you know he's always there at the end of the verse 
But I think that this is like a, a tale being told later, which I think adds to the balladry to it, especially all the stuff where later it says, you know, it happened pretty quick. No one knows the circumstances. Like, what a cop out. Right. I don't yeah. know what happened, you know, but they say it happened this way. And that's a classic line. Like, I don't actually know the truth of this story. Right. But let's move on anyway. So I feel like that is a whole nother, you know, can of eggs for can of eggs? Sure. That's a whole nother can jar of, of pickled eggs. <laughs> That's another jar of pickled eggs over there. Um, <laughs> that uh, that I don't even I don't think about because to me it's just like a ballad. Like it's, I just imagine a bard going around singing the song like of a of of a place that the people hearing it would recognize. Right? They would be like, oh yeah, that's that camp down the way. You know, it's unnamed here, but it's like I know I know that Jack of Hearts guy. Right, you know, it's all right. very personal to this world. Um, and also new challenger alert. Here comes a new challenger. Big Jim. Big Jim. More like big asshole. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 not. I a mean, great... we don't know, but don't it's know. it's a familiar archetype. You know, there's he's no dime... well dressed. I bet he smells better than everyone else. Oh, in the sure, room. for sure, for sure. Got there's it. no diamond mines in the North American West, so it's hard to place it there. Okay, um, but he's definitely a prominent villain in the Seven Curses expanded universe. For um, sure. I thought we were going to wait a little bit, but yes, this is absolutely in the Seven Curses Expanded Universe. I'm going to do you one better. Lily is the daughter of Riley from Seven Curses. Old Whoa. Riley. Yeah. Whoa. And we'll talk about that, why that's, why that's true when we get there. <laughs> also, diamonds are the opposite of hearts, which is Jack's suit. Oh, yeah. Because they're the other red suit. Yeah. And he owns the town. He's the diamond. diamond. I didn't. Uh, he's the, he's the diamond. Oh, okay. And she did Rosemary's the queen. You see, <laughs> verse five. So you see the ace of diamonds. Um, we'll get big champ. We'll the ace of diamonds. Rosemary combed her hair and took a carriage into town. She slipped in through the side door, looking like a queen without a crown. She fluttered her false eyelashes, which I think that might be a little anachronistic, even though we're not placing this in time. I don't know that those existed anyway. And whispered in his ear, "Sorry, darling, that I'm late." But he didn't seem to hear. He was staring into space over at the Jack of Hearts. So uh, in one of the other versions, it instead says, looking over at the Jack of Hearts, mm. which I think is a better line. That was in the Rolling Thunder, I think. Uh, like, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I didn't was, actually even uh, interrogate that one. That was a much better um, line, personally, yeah. I think. Anyway. Looking over what at happened that. in that verse? Uh, yeah, new character, Rosemary Alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looking busted. <laughs> Just because um, she doesn't have a crown. <laughs> she's looking like a queen without a crown. She's got those false eyelashes. I mean, that's not necessarily bad. In my head, she is running late. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I think she's busted is that she's sad about her life. She hates her life, oh, clearly. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go to this fucking play right. or, or burlesque show or whatever it is we can talk about. Uh, and so she's like, God damn it. Slips in the side door. because She can't be seen by the public. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, sorry, darling, that I'm late. And he's like, fuck you. I don't give a shit. See, I don't think that she's busted. I think that she's like a very meticulous, well-made-up person because she wants she's calculating and doesn't want people to know what her game sure. is. That's and more. coming through the side door because the show is already going on. I know, I know. I know. I <laughs> like, no, busted. <laughs> I just like that. I like to imagine that she's not always. She's like that normally, but she's but today. busted today. Well, things go pretty rapidly downhill <laughs> for her, so I feel like it's got to be more than just seeing the fucking jack of hearts and it's like fucking pen knives <laughs> coming out. <laughs> Uh, as Gavin Saliri points out, uh, he's a literary critic. He says that there are similarities between the W.H. Auden poem, Victor, from 1937, and this song. And you'll get it pretty much right away. The Auden verse uh, goes like this, quote, 
Anna was sitting at a table waiting for her husband to come back. It wasn't the Jack of Diamonds, nor the Joker she drew at first. It wasn't the King or the Queen of Hearts, but the Ace of Spades reversed. Victor stood in the doorway. He didn't utter a word. She said, what's the matter, darling? He behaved as if he hadn't heard. Hmm. So, verse 6. I know I've seen that face somewhere, Big Jim was thinking to himself. Maybe down in Mexico or a picture upon somebody's shelf. But the crowd began to stamp their feet, and the house lights did dim, and in the darkness of the room there was only Jim and him staring at the butterfly who just drew the Jack of Hearts in the um, Blue Lake series version, once held the Jack of Hearts. Oh. So that was a, a little bit of a change, but interesting, interesting change, right? Once yeah. held, just drew, two very different things. Uh, Rich Asshole, who already hated this guy, just by on first whiff, is like, oh, I know there's a reason to hate this guy. No Fuck, it was Mexico. It's fucking Mexico. <laughs> I definitely know this guy. Uh, and I, I did wonder if on the shelf was maybe like a, a wanted poster or something, whatever. And uh, yeah, just intently stares at this stranger throughout the entire mm. whatever performance is about to happen. And I assumed that the butterfly on the stage is just like one of the dancers who's doing a, an elaborate act with cards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm thinking a little bit more that you, when you said that, and I sort of was like incredulous about Mexico, but I think we said that Spanish is the loving tongue is possibly part of seven curses expended yeah. in the universe. And oh, that's shit. all about having a lover being separated Big at Jim the border. Was in- Big Jim is a fucking also had a, a career before as a border agent. Oh, man. And he kept him out. That's right. All right. Perfect. Big Jim, ice. Fuck ice. Get him, <laughs> get him out of here. Also, no, I, it's not some rando. Who's up on stage? Lily. Lily. Right, yeah. Staring at the butterfly. But you're saying... She's just playing with cards. She's doing an act, a very seductive act involving cards. Perhaps they're even oversized. Perhaps she has a fan made of cards. What if she's like uh, one of the magician guys? Um, Oh, and she's assistant? No. Maybe? Because I don't think women would be able to. Yeah. Well, she's blazing trails here, this Lily. Okay, great. I mean, I I would love for her to be the magician. Don't get it twisted. But who are they? Who are the people who do the tricks? Up, I mean, David. Close up magic. David. Oh, you want like a person? You know the names of the people. I you forget. know Jonathan the Amazing. He was like my favorite magician when I was a kid because he was a comedian too. The Amazing Jonathan. The Amazing Jonathan. The Amazing Jonathan. Did you ever watch the one, the Magic Secrets Revealed, and it was like the Jabberwocky um, mask guy? Yes, I fucking, fucking did. Weird. Magicians hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you Absolutely. how a car falls Did on. you know that that show went on to 2014? Whoa. They didn't do it consistently, but like right. they would come, like, reach me. The most people was like 2014. I went down a deep well. Wow. Recently, we watched some kind of magician something. I was like, yeah. So I had to go. I had to go deal with that. Absolutely incredible. No, I love I love that I seen your face somewhere thing. Because it's definitely like, it's a, you know, where did I see you before? And in this world, I'm imagining back in the 1870s you know i'm imagining did i see him in the paper did i see him on a wanted poster right you know that kind of stuff but also like it's your you know subconscious going like i mean these are connections we always make now uh, it's so easy with imdb but you know back in the day we're still watching stuff we're I seeing stuff know that guy from somewhere. And we're like i know who that person is um also could it be that he hired him before like i mean big jim it, all these assholes amass their fortune by snuffing out other people like who's to say that the jack of hearts didn't do some shady ass shit for big jim and big jim's like god that jack of hearts motherfucker here like i know that guy's business Mm. nothing with him here is good this is bad news that's why he knows right Mm. away so it could be something like that and then we talked about the performance is it a play is it a burlesque show is it a magic show i think it's up in the air i don't really know i mean i think what does lily do i don't know it's a camera show which is like a mix between a play and burlesque right burlesque yeah yeah all right where are we verse seven verse seven 
Um, Lily was a princess. She was fair-skinned and precious as a child grows. She did whatever she had to. She had that certain flash every time she smiled. She come away from, of course, she come away from a broken home. Had lots of strange affairs with men in, in every walk of life, which took her everywhere. But she'd never met anyone quite like the Jack of Hearts. Oh, what an original tale of woe from a poor woman child who was precious and virginal. And- Lily was so pure. But what's the flash? What's that flash? Um, in the Bootleg series, Volume 14, instead of uh, she had a certain flash every time she smiled, there was a certain flash in her smile, period. So not, you know more permanent than just every time, which is also permanent. So, (coughs) Uh, yeah, she's come from bad circumstances. Let's call her Faith. Uh, But she's found somebody like the Jack of Hearts. Let's call him the mayor. Um, It's really no difference. Thanks, sugar daddy. Now, Faith, I don't find that sort of thing amusing. I'm a family man. To me, tale as old as time. Lily is an evil character. Well, I wouldn't go so far, but Lily's definitely got more going on, I think, than the, than this song gives her. Yeah. I think so, for sure. Um, I'm more and more convinced as of the telling of this that Lily is the narrator of House of the Rising Sun. Oh. And is like, I... Uh, maybe not so much... Th- it's not like one-to-one to the House of the Rising Sun. Well, because it's like, not his song, but... Right, oh, but I mean, she's coming matter. from yeah. that broken home, the strange affair. She she went back. Remember, we, we, we guessed that the girl was... You know, she was like, I'm going to take off my ball and chain. I'm either going to go... No, I'm going to either go back to New Orleans or get rid of the ball and chain or wear the ball and chain or whatever. And and we said that she was going to go back to kill everyone. She was either going to die or she was going to jail or live, apparently, you know, kill everybody and leave. So what if Lily was the one that went back to the House of the Rising Sun, killed them all and moved on, moved on to the West? I don't. But Lily didn't kill anybody. No, but th- not here. Not oh, in this song. Oh, oh, gotcha, this gotcha, is, gotcha. this right, takes place right, after. Right. This takes place after House of the Rising Sun. Lily has returned because she's telling the story to the person. It's a warning tale. Don't do like me. My bad life. The strange affairs. The mysterious stranger who took me to New Orleans. I'm going back, but I expect to die. But she murders them all and she lives. And she's like, well, got to make a living somewhere. So she headed off. Well, she to had to leave town. to try to save her father, Old Riley. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> well, O'Reilly, he's my, yeah, O'Reilly, old Riley as the horse, right? He's, mm-hmm. that's her brother. No, it's her dad. Her dad, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's okay, a horse thief. Really and the judge is like, if you sleep with me, I'll let your dad go. And he's like, no, I'd rather die. Right. Okay, so maybe she went back down to do that. And next morning, she had awoken. Find that the judge had never spoken. She saw that hanging branch abandoned. She saw her father's body broken. Or, better yet, that tale for House of the Rising Sun takes place in the future. She's spinning yarn. She's telling stories. This is one of her stories. O'Reilly, Seven Curses is one of her stories. That happened when she was younger. She went back well, to yeah, New Orleans. Well, with men in every everyone. walk of life that took her everywhere. And now she's back over. She's in this world right now. Yeah. So we're in present day. Yes. Because at the end, she's like, I haven't talked to my dad in a while. But dad's fine. I don't think that works out timeline-wise. I think that has to happen before this song. I think yeah, it happened I, before. Well, yeah, no, no, that no, happens before. I think before. Seven Curses has to happen after. Because like, I haven't seen him in a while. I hope he's okay. Well, and then she gets not a phone call, but she gets some kind of message like your dad, he's, they're going to kill him. 
Yeah. Anyway, Lily is definitely O'Reilly's daughter. However, it needs to work out. It does. That's fair. She can also be House of the Rising Sun, though. I really like that. Yeah. Man. Let's put Lily's it on. Lily's great. Lily's great. I'm right. <laughs> all right, Kelly. It's time for an intermission. Oh, wow. I already had one. Tarot cards. Sure. What do you know about tarot cards? Um, they have cool pictures, especially like... Beautiful pictures. I like ones that are a specific... Uh, they have like a aesthetic. Like, so it's mm. like, oh, this is the gothic tarot deck. So it's all like fun, demony stuff. Or like, you know, I like ones that have different characters. Tarot cards are used in like astrology type mm. things, palm reading, psychic stuff. And the cards are supposed to represent certain things, aspects of life. Yeah. And when you draw them, it have, means that that's going to happen in your life. Have you done tarot card readings before? I think Kinder read... Tarot really? cards for me before, I think, yeah. Only okay. like once when I was a kid. Okay. I've never had my tarot cards read. I don't know what that would mean or how much stock I would put into it because I have a hard time believing that kind of stuff. However, Sarah was into it. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan's Sarah. Not our friend Sarah that we know. We have so many Sarahs. So many Sarahs. Not into tarot cards as far as we know. Also irrelevant for the podcast. But Sarah, Bob Dylan, Sarah, was into it. Her card was the Empress, which he did put on the back of... Desire, which features the song Sarah. You can look at it. Oh. There's the Empress card. Well, hey. The Empress, if it comes up upright, the Empress symbolizes growth. But if it's reversed, it's domestic upheaval, psychic alienation, and poverty. (gasps) That's bad. So it's like the trifecta of terrible versus growth. (laughs) And on the folio pages for the song, so like the songs like, um, I think it's maybe like the, the, like, I assume it might be like, for the people to play along. Like maybe it's like a sheet music type of thing. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so that's the magician thing. So in the folio for Desire, he put the magician, his card. The magician, this is from Robert Shelton, who did a biography of Bob Dylan, uh, has been called the minstrel, the conjurer, the cobbler. It once represented a traveling showman, a medicine man who told fortunes, sold quack remedies, and spread heretical ideas. Uh, there's a tarot expert that he, he cites that says that the magician reveals a startling dual portrait of Dylan. Quote, half mountebank, half wise man. The magician is forceful and self-confident and stands alone. Joker man. Joker man. If it comes up upright, determined, resourceful, strong, powerful man, dexterity, skilled. Reversed card, deceit, lack of energy, communication block, confusion, <laughs> ill intentions. <laughs> What's at the feet of the magician? A lily and a rose. Oh, shit. Verse 8. The hanging judge came in unnoticed. He was being wined and dined. The drill in, in the wall kept up, but no one seemed to pay it any mind. It was known all around that Lily had Jim's ring, and nothing would ever come between Lily and the king. No, nothing ever would, except maybe the Jack of Hearts. See, this is where a little bit of interpretation comes in. So, yeah. I think from here on out, it's just interpretation. Yeah. What from let's literally the the verse the a law man of some like he's the hanging judge but that, for that like so the guy who basically decides whether or not you're guilty right or maybe even literally the executioner or both right mm, right lawman comes in and somebody is conveniently distracting him from what may be happening around them they hear the sounds of drilling but no one gives a shit because either they're having a good time or we're doing again a great job of of distracting them intentionally right. maybe even the hanging judge is in on it. Oh, just saying, just saying. Um, and it's known that Lily had Jim's ring. So supposedly Lily, you know, belongs to Jim, but is married to Rosemary. So like, wouldn't he, Rosemary have his ring? So that's really confusing. Um, and nothing's going to come between them. 
So that's that's it. Well, except for obviously the jacket parts. But yeah, do you think it's... coming between Lily and the king could be Jesus? Let's talk about God. No. For what it's worth, I've not seen that online, okay. but surely, surely. <laughs> Someone somewhere has. Yeah, so I, that's why I, this was the first part I was confused. The story is pretty straightforward so mm-hmm. far. But then I was like, okay, so, but Rosemary is like his wife. So this would be a mistress situation. Right. But like, why would he be giving her a ring? See, Some old-timey shit. Okay. Some old-timey shit. So I think the ring in this is like uh, not super relevant. Like it's a little more metaphorical, right? It's not like mm, yeah. a ring of marriage. Or you're so brazen. That is like, I can give this girl my ring because like, I know that my wife is kept and she will stay in the house right. and like be at this part of society. But I think this girl's at this part that the of ring means like so specifically marriage that like it really oh, could have oh, been oh. any piece of jewelry that that's what it is for yes. this sentence. It's not like he's like, I'm going to take a second wife. P.S. I'm the guy that started Mormonism. That's what's up. Come on. Polygamy. Come on, guys. Get into it. Yeah, we, it's fun. We go back to the bar. So we, we are introduced back to another judge, uh, in this case, the hanging judge, straight out of Central Casting, back from his Academy Award nominated uh, performance in the blockbuster Seven Curses. Um, it's absolutely You think enthralling. it's the same guy? Uh, no, he's just. No, because it's got to be a different town. It might be his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, I mean, oh, at the end of Seven Curses, I mean, lots of curses get plagued upon this guy. Maybe sure. he got out. Maybe he got out in time, found a new life at this town, mm-hmm. at this place. Yeah, I think Lily and Jim are mistress and mister. Yes, I think so. Um, what's interesting, however, in the Minneapolis cut, the one on Blood on the Tracks, this verse is obviously in the correct order, which is the one we're reading it in, where this is verse number eight. This verse and the next verse are actually swapped, oh. so which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because in my mind, the next verse, we have the great, you know, um, she can see a reflection in the knife, like obviously Chekhov's knife is coming. <laughs> right, right. And um, if... The, the the reason why this works so well is that we see Lily on stage and now we have Rosemary reacting to it. But when you swap the verses, it doesn't make any sense. So in, in those acoustic oh, yeah, takes, you, you need the, like, this them. guy is a philanderer. Like you need that. Like, this is why she's fucking over his stuff. Verse nine. Rosemary started drinking hard and mm. seeing her reflection in the knife. She was tired of the attention, tired of playing the role of Big Jim's wife. She had done a lot of bad things, even once tried suicide, was looking to do just one good deed before she died. She was gazing into the future, riding on the jack of hearts. Ha, <laughs> giggity. <laughs> she sees Lily. She's fucking pissed. She acknowledges, which I love, that she hates Big Jim. She hates being his fucking wife. She's tried to fucking kill herself. Uh, killing him would help a lot of people. She was gazing in the future, riding on the jack of hearts. It's super mysterious, but it also makes him mystical. Like he is your dream board, your mood board for putting your own thoughts and feelings onto. Mm-hmm. And so like her just seeing him also makes me think, did Lily, sorry, did Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts have a meeting? Do they know one another? Well, I have they it. gotten together before? And I'm saying together, together. Oh, yeah. In the oh, yeah. Sense. How you just, oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I... I only read it that way until just now. I didn't like, I didn't take it from this perspective of like, Oh, he, this guy does whatever the fuck you, I could, I could kill somebody. I could kill Jim. I never thought about that. I just thought it was just like this guy. I love this guy. I'm going to go crazy and just kill my husband anyway. Cause no, I'm, I'm saying Jack of hearts. I'm sorry. Jack of hearts. Yeah. You're saying to Jack, she Rosemary has had relations with the Jack of hearts. Yeah. And sees him as a, an alternative future. We're like, you know what? I should have oh, just okay. like, we had that little affair and that was cute or whatever, but like mm. maybe I could, maybe I could just go ahead and kill Jim and uh, ride on out of here on the Jack of hearts. 
That's fair. Yeah. Mm. That's how, but I like this interpretation that you just said way better. Well, fair enough. But I, I like that. That does that uh, for me, I was thinking more something that is going to come into play as we keep going along, that there is more to the story. The story is in. Put out the bones and raise up your pictures. Just like the show that will not be mentioned. We hear so Rosemary and Big Jim that didn't come to the violence that happened here, but some indiscretion, some something happened beforehand. Oh yeah. And I feel that every every sensible person has now left. Either they knew the Jack of Hearts was coming or whatever the case might be. The people that kept a lid on this town are gone. Mm-hmm. And now the Jack of Hearts is rolled in and is like, fucking let this boil over. He reminded me when I was with him that I don't want, I don't, yes. I can't be with you, but I don't have to be with him. Right. So now I'm going to fucking kill him. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's what I read. I also wanted to take a moment to say that even though this story might not be the original, like, or like the most lady hero is, but I mean, it kind of is. I, I do like that. She didn't see Lily and was like, I'm going to kill that bitch for sleeping with my man. Like Amen. at least we did not do that. Amen. Yeah. I totally agree. Verse 10, Lily took her dress off, buried it away. And in the volume 14 version, uh, she also washed her face. Hmm. Uh, has luck run out? She laughed at him. Well, I guess she should have known it would someday. Be careful not to touch the wall. There's a brand new coat of paint. I'm glad to see you're still alive. You're looking like a saint. Down the hallway, footsteps were coming for the Jack of Hearts. Who is talking? So I'm supposed to interpret this first. Okay, so uh, Lily, the, the show has ended. Lily is taking her dress off and taking off her face and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and then, you know, a roguish outlaw hero comes in. Mm-hmm. Hey, how, how, how you been? And we have a little banter. And then uh, people are coming for Jack. Right. That's it. That's it. But... Who's talking at what point during this? I think it's all Lily. I think so too. But for a moment, I was a little confused. I was like, I'm glad to see you're still alive. You're looking like a saint. I thought it was maybe him Mm. talking back to her. Just based on his own, uh, BobDylan.com, your unreliable source. um, (laughs) He does have this as a full sentence. Right, in quotes. In quotes. So... And, I, and it makes sense. And the, uh, looking like a saint is going to match up with the next verse where he leaves in the costume of a monk. So those two lines sync up to one another. So it's kind of a play on that. Jack of Hearts has shown up here and she is instantly flirting with him. Well, they, they definitely know each they other. They definitely know yeah. one another from like another mining camp. Or if you want to go see the Seven Curses Expanded Universe rom-com, Kingsport Town. <laughs> nice. See, which doesn't work now that we've put him, put her in to uh, the actual Seven, seven curses, curses, right? which doesn't really work. But remember, Kingsport Town was guy running away from the the marshal or whatever. The sheriff is chasing him down. Who is going to kiss your Memphis mouth or oh, whatever? Oh, right, 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 yeah. And uh, he's trying to get out of town. And we thought that the person, the girl was also in on the job, but she had to stay behind because her dad was actually the sheriff right, or whatever. Right, right, yes. Hmm. So maybe you don't see that as the as the rom-com, but that is part of <laughs> the Seven Curses Expanded Universe. Maybe that's Rosemary's backstory. Who knows? Somebody a with a lot of artistic skill and time on their hands needs to make a comic Ooh. of Lily. Through the Seven Curses Expanded mm. Universe. Just needs to make the Seven Curses Expanded Universe. Yeah, for sure. For real. So Lily washing her face, though, um, that's in the bootleg series, but not on the uh, Blood on the Track version, um, reminds me of Rolling Thunder when he says, don't trust anybody who is not wearing a mask. As part of the renovations, this particular room was being repainted. Right. I mean, it, that's not like a super sexy metaphorical answer. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, it was, is it literal? 
Like the renovation was already happening and that's why they targeted this for the attack. Uh, And her room has just been finished and it's a gentle reminder. Like, hey, sir, please don't touch the walls if you don't want to get your clothes dirty. Right. Or did she paint the walls? And she's like, this motherfucking Jack of Hearts has got a penchant for fucking my shit up. Don't touch the wall, Jack. You son of a bitch. Uh, Don't touch the wall. Or, which is probably not true. I, I don't. Maybe it's a mural. Maybe she painted a mural. Oh, see, I, mean, yeah, I was thinking more metaphorical, but her body. Well, right, that's yeah. that as well. Uh, or could it apply to herself? You right. know, like taking off the mask, taking off her makeup. Um, <clears throat> also, kind of like a, if we're saying that they've known one another, it's also a way of like, this is a new me. This is a new coat of paint. Whatever. Don't 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 physically touch me, but also you're not going to be able to touch me right. in the way that you did before. Like it's not going to happen again, Buster. Whatever. <laughs> right, we're in a different right. we're in different time periods. What happened before at Valparaiso or whatever, you know, stays in Valparaiso. <laughs> you know, like right. That camp is that camp. This is this camp. We're doing things differently here. Um, also, could she be in on the plan? And by taking off her mask, she then because we can't speak real to one another when the because. Ironically, you know, the mask falls away. We're lying to you. Put the mask on. We'll tell the truth. She's taken off her mask. So she's talking in riddles. And by saying that, don't touch the wall. There's a brand new coat of paint is a secret metaphor for the plan is in action right now. Oh, yeah. could be. Things are going on. Don't worry about what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. Things are going to plan. Lily is in on this. Very much could be, yeah. And why wouldn't she be? Because she—it's made clear that she doesn't like Big Jim either. Because oh, we haven't—that's the verse that's revealed. we haven't got yeah. there yet. Okay. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, verse eleven. Yeah, the backstage manager was pacing all around by his chair. There's something funny going on. He said, "I can feel it in the air." He went to get the hanging judge, but the hanging judge was drunk. <laughs> As the leading actor hurried by in the costume of a monk, there was no actor anywhere better than the Jack of Hearts. Minor character, backstage manager, welcome to the show. Uh, first impulse at any confrontation, get the hanging judge. Like <laughs> Something's going on, get the guy. And this get makes me, if you, if you thought for a second this wasn't part of Seven Curses Expanded Universe, absolutely it is. We live in a corrupted husk of a world. Mm-hmm. You know, this is incredible. Uh, and at the end, a lead actor uh, leaves in the costume of a monk. Uh, separate, unrelated thought. Uh, there's no actor any better than the Jack of Hearts. Uh, so is that the Jack of Hearts leaving in the costume of a monk or is that two unrelated thoughts? Yeah. It's like, oh, I love that guy. Ooh, he's wearing a costume of a monk. That's interesting. You know who the best actor ever is? <laughs> the Jack of Hearts. Oh, that's unprompted. I, I don't even know if he's here. Which is it? Or was it him? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It would be really weird for the Jack of Hearts to suddenly become part of the show. Just to do or, what? Well, no, but he, well, he dressed up as a, to, to escape, you know? He dressed right, up as yeah, a monk. Yeah, that would make leave. sense, but like, he wasn't there the whole time. Like, he was not actually the actor of a monk on the stage, right? Because, right. like, what the fuck would that accomplish? Well, also, there's two options. It's either he left as a monk, or literally he didn't leave, and that line means nothing. Yes. Someone just walked, the lead actor, literally, after he was done with the show, left in costume and apparently and just stunk went to up the, the place and was like barn. jack would have done this better it was the I thought as he walked away walked by and was like <laughs> yeah i hated that guy in that role <laughs> or but that's kind of like the narrator singing right. the song and he's just like maybe that's a big joke this actor in the future uh is a stupid piece of shit and it's like remember that guy was in the monk he walked by as a monk and everyone's like oh yeah i know this guy he's like there's no actor better with jack of farts <laughs> maybe that's a great inside joke for them maybe 
was the Jack of Hearts, the monk. Stay tuned. Verse 12. So, this is a verse that has been excised. Okay. This is in the Blue Lake series volume 14. Uh, this was in take two. So you can hear it uh, on right now on Spotify or if you have the Blue Lake series volume 14. More blood, more tracks. But I'm going to go ahead and we're going to include it here as yeah. verse 12, which I'm actually real stupid. Lily's arms were locked around the man that she well, dearly loved to touch. She forgot all about the man she couldn't stand who hounded her so much. I've missed you so, she said to him, and he felt she was sincere. But just beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. It was just another night in the life of the Jack of Hearts. Really embraces the Jack of Hearts, who's obviously a one-time no one knew. Or maybe on again, off again kind of situation. Right. Uh, she forgot all about Big Jim, who's this like loser that keeps being like, you should be with me, you should be with me. And I'm like, dude, you have a wife also? Ew. Right. And <laughs> she is just saying, Jack, I miss you so much. But then menace afoot. But Still. I thought he left as the costume of a monk. Yeah, we no see. Uh, no, <laughs> that's why it has to be that. Like either that's why this has to be removed, or at least that line, or he didn't actually yeah. leave as a monk. I have a five point, five points, okay, okay, please. five points about why this verse is fucking wild. Okay, so Lily is locked in a locked in the Jack of Hearts arm. Like, did they leave together? Like, is she leaving with him as well? I thought they were just hugging. Well, the arms were locked around the man. I know, but it could be arm in arm. They could have left together. Like it could have been, but they didn't because we're obviously behind the doorway. Right. So that's also important. Um, So they were just snuggling, just snuggling in the dressing room. Yeah. Point two. If they didn't leave, the monk costume is a red herring and the the Jack of Hearts being a great actor unrelated. Could have also added as an option that it was just like the monk walked by, you know, who's a great actor, heartbreaker. Unrelated. Yeah, not actor as an actor, <laughs> as in like that guy oh. will say whatever he needs to to get in Whoa. the pants and move my wrist. Whoa. That's what I think it Whoa. is. Whoa. Whoa. Love that's it. What it is. Yeah. It also absolves Lily with Big Jim because at the beginning we didn't really know Lily's intentions. Like, or if Lily was actually a real character, they've hinted toward it and we want to believe the best for Lily. And really, when you're talking about a power dynamic like theirs, where she's obviously has no power compared to this man who runs the town, right. it's always going to be gross and not really much of a fair choice but it's still nice to hear be like fuck that guy yeah like that's always great the wildest part for me is that we go into the jack of hearts mind for one line when he deems her as sincere right why that to me is the most egregious Hmm. part he is not in this entire song and all of a sudden for no reason we get this fucking why do we care what he thinks why all of a sudden we get to know that Lily is sincere, that she missed him. Like, I don't think that that adds anything. I think that muddies the water. Why are we in his mind for this one tiny moment, but for none of the other? I mean, mechanically that's weird, but I think perhaps it's just to like bolster the idea of she, uh, really likes the Jack of hearts. Therefore does not like big Jim. Like I think that's all it's supposed to be is like an additional fact, which is unnecessary, but yeah, I guess I didn't think about it being like, why are we in his brain for a second? Just all of a sudden you could have also just changed it to, uh, to phrase it differently to imply her sincerity that didn't introduce him. Because I feel like once you introduce him, it's like, why didn't we introduce him maybe another time Hmm. or two more times? Like it just seems strange to do it one time in verse fucking 12 for no reason. Um, And then behind the door of jealousy and fear that implies that, 
the costume monk did leave and that he is snuggling. He's just snuggling with Lily in the dressing room. They are definitely there. The footsteps were coming and beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. Big Jim is bursting in. And in theory, although it is not stated, they are there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I didn't. But that verse does not exist. So right. we need to strike it from the record. Right. Pretend not a thing. Okay. So a man just walked by in the costume of a monk. There is no actor. This is a related comment. No actor anywhere. Quite like the Jack of Hearts. So now we're saying in the story that Jack left. Possibly. We don't okay. know. So that, that line is now gone. We have to build new evidence. But right now I would say you're looking like a saint. You've left in the costume of a monk. And hey, the best actor of all is the Jack of Hearts. If I heard that, I would say... That actor is the Jack of Hearts. Hmm. He's dressed up as a monk. He was related to as a saint. And why would he say he's the best actor anywhere if it wasn't the fucking Jack of Hearts? See, I think it's just a blank out. Like, oh, hey, look, there goes that actor. You know what? What kind of songwriting is that? That's terrible <laughs> songwriting. This is, and I will say this. This song is not sloppy. This song is not put together in 10 minutes. There is a lot of thought and care that went into this. And the ambiguity, too. And I think that verse 12 makes it maybe too ambiguous and kind of like just throws in the face what we just said Hmm. about him leaving. Like there's no more mystery. He's literally there. And I'm glad they got rid of it. Verse 13, Kelly, we'll keep going with this. Okay. No one knew the circumstance, but they say it happened pretty quick. The door of the dressing room burst open and a cold revolver clicked. Big Jim was standing there. You couldn't say surprised. Rosemary right beside him, steady in her eyes. She was with Big Jim, but she was leaning to the Jack of Hearts. Begins with a classic maxim. No one knows what happened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Serves Benny off and Weiss. <laughs> Jim bursts in the door. The revolver clicks. He's not surprised. Rosemary steady. She's leaning toward the Jack of Hearts. Those, that is, those are the facts. But man, is this... The most ambiguous verse mm-hmm. in the entire thing. I love it so much. You really lose all sense of where anyone is in time or space or what, who has what, and who's with whom. And Jack, the Jack of Hearts, are not in the scene. I mean, they can be implied to be there. Oh, sure. And v- with verse 12, they're behind the door, right? You're hearing it. But before, we just heard the footsteps. Plenty of time to get away. They're not here. Hmm. Maybe they got away. Yeah. We heard this man in the monk costume got away. And even implying with 12 that they were arm in arm, you could even say, well, I guess arm in arm, but then they're behind the door. So 12, 12 negates all that. 12 puts them in the room. But 13, there's nothing. It's all about Big Jim. It's all about Rosemary. More importantly, though, I want to talk about the cold revolver clicked. When you heard cold revolver clicked, is that what you heard? Yeah, why? Or did you hear Colt revolver clicked? Oh, I guess Colt would make more sense, right? Does it? Yeah, I mean, unless, well, okay. I mean, you could say "cold revolver" as in it hasn't recently been fired, right? Like, so all of my life, I heard "Colt revolver" clicked oh. because it's a western, right? But sure. it is one hundred percent cold, cold with a D. It's in jo- Jones' version. It's especially hearable in the uh, in the bootleg series fourteen, mm. the long. Um, the door to the dressing room burst open, and a cold revolver clicked. Listen to uh, Blood on the Tracks, though. It's tough. It's tough. Because he really puts cold revolver, Colt revolver. The door to the dressing room burst open and a cold revolver clicked. It's a real hard thing to do. The only reason I bring it up is because we don't 
know exactly what's happening, so we're really grasping at straws. So when it clicks, a Colt revolver has a hammer. The click, you know, the classic click of the gun, you know, someone's in the room, clicks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're about to shoot. A cold revolver is one that doesn't have any bullets in it. A cold revolver has the bullets taken away. So it's like if you would pull the trigger, nothing would happen. So he, it doesn't say that he pulled the trigger, right? So the dressing room burst open and the Colt revolver clicked. The click is either the hammer, the click is the the trigger. Right. Right. So if it's a cold one, he went went in, guns blazing. To kill the Jack of Hearts, theoretically. Right. And so we don't know what happened after that, but he opens the door and it's one of two things. He either shoots point blank and there's no gun. There's nothing in there. Or he opens the door and immediately pulls back the hammer. Big Jim is standing there unsurprised by what's happening. What is he unsurprised about? Them canoodling. Lillian, the Jack of Hearts, canoodling, right? You could say that. So he's he's surprised. He's not surprised by them being there. And so that's why he pulled back. I knew you were going to be in here, you slimy motherfucker, sleeping with my girl who is not my property in any way, shape, or form because women aren't property and also because you're married, motherfucker. Okay, let's think about this. If it was a cold revolver, he went in, shot, Nothing it didn't happened. go, he wasn't surprised. Who oh, took the bullets? right. Rosemary took the bullets. Rosemary took the fucking bullets. So Rosemary, steady, she knows. That gun now has no bullets. Oh, right. I'm here, bitch. Penknife. <laughs> <laughs> if Rosemary didn't kill Jim with the penknife, right, so if then the Colt revolver clicking, why is it Jim's? Why can't it be her? Right. So I did have that moment revolver. for a second, but I, then it makes it clear that it's not. That right. she didn't kill him with that. So yeah. She didn't kill him with that. Right. But who's to say that she wasn't there? We start this verse by saying very explicitly, no one knew the circumstances, but they said that it happened pretty quick. I want to posit that Jack of that the Jack of Hearts and Lily are in the room. Big Jim goes to confront Rosemary behind chick with the gun. Your time is up, Jim. We all go into the dressing room together. They all have a forceful conversation. Something goes on. Maybe there's some fighting, some torture. Where are the locator codes? Where's the 11th vials? Where are the vials? Where are the 11th vials? 11 vials of the virus are unaccounted for. Where are they? Where are the vials? Where are the vials? How do I find the vials? Who knows what's happening? And then Big Jim tries to get away, and that's when she kills him with the penknife because he's getting away. And she goes, but that is... Not part of this story. Sure. Like that's just spec, pure, unadulterated speculation. Because we jump from someone has a gun, something's happening to the next scene being like Big Jim's dead. Yeah. Well, how did Big Jim die? Yeah. By a penknife, sure. But like no one knows. His but penknife. <laughs> the penknife. Do you know what a penknife is? It's just like a folding, small, small knife folding knife. Big Jim ain't going down with a penknife. I'm sorry. I mean, you hit him in the to right the back. Place. But oh, to yeah. the back though, that's the thing. You hit him here. And the that's neck, fine. Yeah. But you hit him in the back. Nah. I think he's he's something else has happened. He's been poisoned. He's been mm-hmm. shot in the face. He's been we're just not getting all the information. Could be a poisoned penknife. Who knows? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Rosemary steadies herself. So again, Rosemary probably knows. She must know, right? She's steady. She's either going to kill him with the penknife, which seems random. Like or she moment. knows Jack's going to, or, or ja- right, or I've done what Jack. Jack wanted me to do this. Like L- Rosemary and Jack were in on this to get him back here. Right, so that they can take care of him together, maybe. So, like, she's steady that everything's going to plan, or she knows that the gun has no bullets because she took him out, right? Right. And then Rosemary's leaning, right? So, like, when we lean into a situation, we're apprehensive about it, but we're we're siding with them. So, in this, she's not physically leaning on the Jack of Hearts, but she's leaning toward what the Jack of Hearts represents. 
maybe chaos, maybe yeah. new, neutral chaos, you know, like whatever he is representing to her, a different life, a different future. Um, even if he's not physically there, it's almost like if she's the one with the gun or if she just stabs him with a fucking pen knife and it happens to kill him. I think that's in her head. She would be like, I'm finally doing what the Jack of Hearts was wanting of me this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm leaning into my inner Jack of Hearts, you know? Yeah. I think that the cold revolver thing must be. I I interpret it as Jim went to fire. Right. And yeah. there were no bullets. Right. But he wasn't surprised. So he knew his day was coming type mm-hmm. of thing. Like he knew maybe this day was coming. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's, what, that's what leads me to believe that he knows the Jack of Hearts and that the Jack of Hearts and Lily were both there. And so when he shot right point blank at him and it didn't fire, he was like, fuck, I know I've just been played. Yeah. I've just been played. I have no means of weapon. And then Jack of Hearts is like, shoo pulling out the dual guns, you know, <laughs> but then Perhaps. what happens after that? I feel like Rosemary, even after all of it, unless, unless this guy is absolutely terrible, brutal, wouldn't want to kill him right away, maybe, or like would want answers or something, but it just seems crazy that he would die just by a pen knife in the back. Like, that seems wild to me. I feel like they would have to hold him down and she would have to stab pretty fucking hard and deep to get that to happen. Yeah. And maybe the Jack of hearts and Lily would help, but Maybe there's more to the story we don't know. I don't know. is the best part of it. Verse 14. Two doors down, the boys finally made it through the wall and cleaned out the bank safe. They said they got off with quite a haul. In the darkness by the riverbed, they waited on the ground for one more member who had business back in town, for they couldn't go no further without the Jack of Hearts. We get a little bit of resolution of what's happening with the drilling sound. Thank God. Yeah. So That's all I cared about. Turns out there was bank robbers the whole time. Did you guys know? Well, not really bank robbers, but... Uh, why can't I remember the name? It's not burlesque. It's the other thing. Cabaret? Cabaret. Cabaret robbers. Classic cabaret robbers. Classic. Or, or he's got like a, a a hotel room, you know, like next That's to it. That's what I'm saying. It's whatever. like a saloon situation where yeah. there's like room and board kind of thing. They're breaking whatever. into the room, yeah. And they want to get away with their hall, which apparently is pretty massive. It's quite a uh, And they have a little meeting location down by the river. But they can't fucking leave without Jack. And Jack's sticking around with all these other people. With this, What's like, his business Gotta catch up with my ladies. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? The business back in town is definitely like, I got to take care of Jack. I got to snuggle with Lily. I got to take out this asshole. Big Jim, man. I think this is most the, the most cinematic element. Maybe not like the most individual scene because you can definitely see the Colt revolver like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't work. But I think this is like, this would be a great element in a, in a, in a, in a show though, because you would have them bursting through the wall just as he's getting killed or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. the sound of him getting stabbed and like, Oh, it's like breaking through and everyone, you get a shot of the bar. People like, Oh, (laughs) maybe like a a little stop as you hear like crumbling dust. And then it's like, yeah, it's taking the heist is taking place under murder, under Murder. Well, adjacent to, right? Two doors down. It's true. Yeah. I would assume it's on the same floor. Just well, yeah. I, I don't know the logistics of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be, uh, yeah, different. It could be upstairs. It could be down. Like, it could be literally anywhere. But I think it's it's pretty cool. Uh, that being said, verse 15. We're almost there. The next day was hanging day. The sky was overcast and black. Big Jim Lake covered up, killed by a penknife in the back, and Rosemary on the gallows. She didn't even blink. The hanging judge was sober. He hadn't had a drink. The only person on the scene missing was the Jack of Hearts. So jump cut to the next day, hanging day, everyone's favorite day. Jim is dead. Rosemary is hung, and Jack of Hearts is nowhere to be found. Simple. Yeah, that's uh, a little dark and shitty. 
It's dark and shady, and it literally comes right on the back of our, beyond the drilling in the wall part. We literally leave with complete ambiguity as to what happened to all of our characters. If if two characters were in a room with our other two characters, right. we don't actually know. And then all of a sudden, he's dead, and she's framed. Is she framed well, for murder? Right, is yeah. she? Did she take responsibility? Maybe she wasn't actually cut out for it. And when she killed him, like officially killed him, she couldn't cope with the new life. And she broke down and was like, I got to turn myself in or whatever. Because I feel like they would kill him and then be like, all right, Rosemary, let's, let's, let's b- California sounds lovely. Let's head out, girl. Um, I <laughs> they fe- got gold. <laughs> they got gold. <laughs> I feel like that's that's what would happen. So the fact that things turn this way too make me like even more suspicious of the Jack of Hearts or... Lily, in fact, I mean, we kind of get a little, she thinks about Rosemary still in the final verse, which we'll get to, but like, what the fuck? So I wonder if everybody's knows is in on it all along. Like not only do we have Jack and his immediate co-conspirators who are literally breaking into the the, uh, safe, right? Right. But Lily's in on it and Rosemary's in on it. Now we we established Mm -hmm. clearly that Rosemary is so desperate to leave this marriage that she's even tried to kill herself before because she's over it. So I posit to you that she intentionally served up like offered her services to Jack be like look I'll cause a distraction so big I'll fucking kill Jim and I'll even take the heat because I'm done I'm done with this life man so you guys rob whatever you want to rob and then yeah. I'll I'll take the fall that way you can get away free even if even if somebody wanted to question you I'm the one with the pen knife right like it was me so right. maybe Jack even shot him but no one gives a shit because it's 18 and whatever and yeah. like science is awful and they're like oh no well there is a literary, a, I mean there are two obvious gunshots but there's also a knife in his back so it's probably knife and uh that knife's tiny fits a lady's hand probably her i'm gonna go ahead also she said it was her so we're gonna go ahead and take her (laughs) hey judge like and i'm sober yeah i can't stress this enough hadn't have a drink at all not drunk no one's telling lies here at all and if you want to put the angle that he was in on it too that that also puts because yeah he could be right i mean i don't think he is necessarily but that would be a fun little place too where it's like I don't know the pointing out that he was blitzed drunk and now hanging day day. didn't necessarily, is it the next? Oh, it is the next day was hanging day. So yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I am so sober, more like hung the fuck over. Right. right? So uh, like, I don't know, maybe he was in on it or he's used to it. He's just drinks all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, people can do that. Yeah, could just be. be constantly at a level of buzz, a little bit, little constantly. bit, yeah, functioning alcoholic. Well, you would think uh, verse twelve obviously gave Dylan some pause. This verse as well gave Dylan probably more pause than that. Um, However, it doesn't help clarify anything. Um, he had a line that said, and I'm quoting this from, from Clinton Halen, uh, he had a line that said, and in the final moments, it was said she gave a wink toward the Purple Hills or maybe to the Jack of Hearts. There was another way it could have gone. Nobody knew in those final moments what she did think, and then this is awkward, but I'm sure it had something to do with the Jack of Hearts. That would have been terrible. That's the narrator then intercutting. Just like having the Jack of Hearts randomly have one thought in the whole, in the whole shebang was a bad call. I think that is terrible. She, who knows what she's thinking, but I'm sure it was about the Jack of Hearts. Like, have we given up on the story? Have we given up on the story at this point? (laughs) So none of that actually helps us. You know, even the wink would have though, if I winked to the Jack of Hearts, I mean, that's dark as hell. Like I'm like kind of what you said. I'm winking like this, this, this is all we going made to plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, her neck snaps. Especially if, like, like he was in, in the crowd too. Like some macabre, like, yeah, we did it. 
Right? Like her and Lily just like high five him and Lily high five and then like what Sweet. leave? <laughs> I had to go see my dad. I got a weird phone call while this was going down. I didn't want to talk about it because it wasn't really about me. Yeah. Right. But uh from the one telephone. I gotta go. And let's get let's close it out. What's the final final ver oh no, I read the final verse. Final verse. The cabaret was empty now. A sign said closed for repair. Lily had already taken all of the dye out of her hair She was thinking about her father who she very rarely saw Thinking about Rosemary and thinking about the law But most of all she was thinking about the jack of hearts So, it's been stowed away where it belongs, wherever it goes and Lily was taking a moment to give herself a good washing. It's probably been a while. Everybody smelled so terribly. Can't trust mm, that enough. And true. she was like, you know what? It's time for me to reinvent myself again. A la Lily and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, also previously known as Chanterelle. Chanterelle was part of my exotic phase. It's nice. It's a, it's a mushroom. It is. That's really embarrassing. You remember? You remember Riley? Remember, remember my father, Riley? I wonder if he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thinking about what she just seen, like, yeah. is this just is this justice? Is it? I don't know. Big question. Is what we did okay? Was it all right for us to agree? Basically, assisted suicide with this woman. I don't know, but mostly because she's a lady, she was thinking about that handsome stranger once again, removed from her life, off into the sunset. He went. Uh, well, or 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 did he? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that our final focus is on Lily. I'm glad that you brought up her inner thoughts, which I definitely want to touch on. But I have two, there's two ways to look at Lily. Either she stayed in town or she left with the Jack of Hearts. Right. Well, she definitely reinvented herself, right? We made that clear. We're taking the dad over here. She's changing herself. Or is she? Or is she? <laughs> okay. The cabaret is closed, but only for repairs, Right. So we don't actually know what's going on with that so far. So to leave town and abandon your job is would she be a leaving? Rash. Is she leaving yeah. town? And that's a good know. question. Is she leaving, or or did she already leave with the Jack of Hearts? That's another question altogether. Is she getting ready though for next season's performance at the show? You know, because they got to close it down. You just um, Big Jim owned the town. Uh, he got bankrupted. Uh, the town was not prepared to oh, sure, for, yeah. you know, have the burden of having this theater company. Uh, Bloodstains are also <laughs> real tough to get out of wood floors. Anybody who's watched Deadwood will, will know that. That! Now that's how you scrub a fucking bloodstain. Um, and, you know, they really have to prepare for a beautiful new story in the right. Seven Curses Expanded Universe. Uh, and they needed a, a play called, for the lead. Yeah, it's called A Girl from the North Country. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Nice. Um, so, so she could just be doing that, putting on a new you know, makeup, new or whatever, makeup yeah. or whatever. Um, she may be dismayed by everything and changing into disguise, like we kind of said. Did the Jack of Hearts, we kind of implied it when we were talking about them still being together, like Lily and the Jack of Hearts are watching Rosemary hang or whatever. Like they're in the town together. If the Jack of Hearts had left and Lily was here, we've determined that Lily doesn't like Big Jim can we say that Lily was possibly planning her own version of this and the motherfucker Jack of Hearts showed up and stole the thunder? She was working her angle to get in that room to steal the shit. And this motherfucker comes in with a band of drill buddies and drills his way into the hole. So she's Tunnel pissed. Teddies. <laughs> Tunnel Put Teddies. Put her forever on the podcast. Tunnel Teddies. <laughs> These Tunnel Teddies fucking roll up. <laughs> oh, God. 
So she's mad. She could be, in fact, upset about the jacket farts. So I'm thinking about the jacket farts in that, like, beat me to it again. Well, I'm going to go off to the next camp. Oh, maybe. I'll never, maybe he'll, I'll see him there. You know, it's kind of like, he'll, he'll know where to find me because he found me again. Hmm. And he's going to try to get the thing that I'm doing because that's our game that we're playing with one another. That's if she's in town. Or I want to believe that she ran off with the jack of hearts, that he, that the last deed that he had in town was to get Lily and to take her, take her with him. Oh, that's what off. he was like, his mission to go into town while his like, his tunnel teddies were waiting for him because. Yeah. Yeah. And right. then, and then he sort of like, again, it's a timeline. I don't know where that happens because if they did leave, then they were on their way. Right. When he left as a monk, she left with him mm. and the door, when he burst in, there was nothing there except for the penknife to the back that killed big Jim. Mm. And that was the end of their story. And then they left. So that's a possibility. And I mean, there's evidence on all, all the ways, but I like that you brought up what Lily was thinking in her head. Cause we don't get a whole lot of that. And, and having Lily's thoughts are more interesting to me than the Jack of hearts. Cause the whole point is that he stays mysterious. And in the seven curses expanded universe, these are human beings. Their oh, yeah. blood is red, just like ours. <laughs> sure. And the Jack of Hearts not having a voice, which I guess does make it a little more egregious in that one verse that was taken out, um, really just makes him serve as a catalyst for the events and not necessarily a character. Like his, mm-hmm. him being an actual flesh and blood person is kind of incidental to this just being motivations for people to carry out what they had wanted to do for so long. Like, this is a reason to change my unhappiness. This is a reason to change my circumstances. Absolutely. So Yeah. yeah. And, and like we already talked on, I haven't seen my dad in a while. For me, the dad was in Kingsport, Tennessee, but it could be. Uh, O'Reilly, wherever we put seven <laughs> curses. Uh, she, yeah, she's really sorry about Rosemary and the way that it all played out. And she'll always grieve the role that she played. I feel like it was not, we were kind of saying she was fine with it, but like, I, I feel like something must have happened that wasn't in the plan. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she'll always be guilty and have that. That's just another thing that she's carrying with her for the rest of her crazy life. You right. know, this other person that's unfortunately been lost. And then she wonders about the law, which is pretty interesting. So that kind of leads me to believe that she is either leaving or she's with the, the, the Jack of hearts because why does she care about the law? Or is she just philosophic, you know, thinking philosoph- philosophically thinking about the law of the West, the law of the towns that we live in, of these mining camps or whatever it, it might be. Well, I mean, because like, even if you if she's not putting her own guilt into it, just the idea of like this woman killed her, I'm going to assume like oh, lecherous murder. Like, is uh, that just ruffian? Yeah. Is that like she just basically was defending herself, mm. whether it was immediate. That's the thing that like that's a real domestic abuse problem, right? Like this woman's mm. been abused, whether or not physically or emotionally forever. And then she has the one moment to, to, to help herself. It's like, well, he wasn't actually about to punch you or kick you in that moment. So is it really self-defense? So it's like, right. Maybe that's what he's thinking about. Okay. I was thinking, I guess if she had left, I was thinking, is she thinking about literally the law? Like, obviously that was false, a false sense of justice. That was not really what happened. And somebody must know that. So is, am I currently one step behind the law in this moment? And I don't even know it yet. Is the law catching up to me? And if we believe her to be the character of all of these, she's skirting the law constantly. So this character, Lily, thinking about the law all the time is pretty great. Or she's thinking about it, you know, my man, my man is also doing this shit everywhere. Oh, this could be him. This will be him next on the hand block. Absolutely. Or maybe she was like, you know what? I really have an interest in criminal justice. I think I'm going to go be a hanging judge myself. I think this is where I'm headed. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe. And she would be a just hanging judge. She wouldn't be drunk on the job. That's right. I was definitely not drunk. I'm not. Can't stress that enough. (laughs) And then I just thought, you know, with all this drilling on the wall and all this heist, 
she was thinking, would I be undone by George Clooney or Matt Damon yeah. or Sandra Bullock? That is definitely what she was Or thinking. Rihanna. Oh, yeah. Ocean's Eleven was great. But most of all. Or Eight. Ocean's Eight was great. Yeah, sorry. She was thinking about the Jack of Hearts. Yeah, sure. So Kelly, I feel like we've had we've had fun going through all of that. Maybe that's made the song more fun. Oh, it did. It definitely makes me like the song a lot more. Yeah. Because when you, I mean, you can only interpret things how you can interpret them because you are yourself. Uh, Whoa. So it's always fun to have a different take or like it, different interpretations of things. However, musically. Yes. yes. Does this work? Irredeemable. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this again on Blood on the Tracks and just to see how it mellows out the rest maybe, of it. Yeah. And maybe it'll, maybe, I think you'll come back to it because you're not going to listen to it again immediately after this. But I feel oh, like no. when you hear it again, it's going to give you good vibes. I will never be intentionally like, listen to but this But you're going to be like, Lily. Lily is a, is a main character now. I mean, yeah. I say the Jack of Hearts is a main character. You know, unfortunately, we leave Big Jim and, um, and especially Rosemary behind. But these two other people are definitely out in Bob Dylan songs. Like mm. it or not, people. Like it or fucking not. Clinton Halen quotes, uh, when talking about the song in one of his books, he quotes Bob Dylan in 1968 talking about the demise of ballads and the rise of cinema and TV and saying that people don't need ballads anymore because their ballads aren't on TV. You know, like what's the point of it? And I, I agree with that. I still think that's definitely true today. Like we definitely go to that for our stories and not to a balladeer, you know, giving it to them. But I think there will always be a craving for something like this. And every time that we hear it, I'm always impressed by my ability to open up to it. There is something here for the ballad, especially one that's upbeat fast, you know, isn't like sad and, Cloying. I don't know. That's how I think of ballads. Are you saying? But I'm does thinking this of more of today? like it does this work today. I don't think that this is a jam. I don't think this is something you go to. I think that this is part of a lore and a history that is way bigger than itself. It just so happens to be on one of the greatest records ever created. Period. So that's tough. Like right, you have to deal with it on some on some level. But it has to fit in there some way. And we're not really talking about where it fits. Maybe when we talk about blood on the track, we can see what is what else is here that can talk about the dissolution of marriage and what's going on in Bob Dylan's life and shit like that. But maybe this is just a break from that, right? And I think it's also a precursor to, to Tangled Up in Blue. I think anybody who's interested in a Mount Rushmore of Bob Dylan songs and they want to listen to something like that. This is a great song to be like, how, how is art, how is art made? Right? Like, I think it's inspiring to be like, I made this meandering long ass song that maybe isn't that great, but what came out of it was Tangled Up in Blue. Right? And what I was working with here gets to be made into Tangled Up in Blue. And any person who like strives to create anything knows that a lot of the shit you make is not great. It needs to be shelved and put away forever. And you're going to come back to it later and say, mm, that was a good thing. That's going to be the thing. You know, a person doesn't sit down and write a book. They write a book, they shelve it away, and you may never come back to it. Or there was one character in that book that then becomes the book for later, hmm. the right book. But it, it's it's the duty to keep working. And so Bob Dylan is working and putting out songs, which at this period in his life was not something that was common. So the fact that he was just bursting with ideas, I think it will always be relevant just because it exists on one of the best records ever made. But a nine minute song with really irritating music, I don't think works today. The organ stuff. Yeah. The organ stuff. But the story is too good to pass up. But there's, I, I mean, I think there's a place for narrative balance still. Like acoustic narrative, like there's always going to be a place in like the folk indie scene for yeah. something like this. Maybe this version is not the best. And I think everybody from their very first bootleg, any Bob Dylan fan, after you get past the initial first albums and you go 
back down to the bootlegs. You don't have to bootleg anymore because they're all available now. We're already at 14 iterations of the bootleg series. But before, the very first one anybody ever wants is the New York Sessions of of Blood on the Tracks, tracks, which was this. And that was the Holy Grail. That was the very first one you wanted. And when I got it, it was a revelation. And I I think I would have preferred the faster up-to-me version, a really fast him going through it the way that he was in the very first take instead of take two. But instead we get this crazy, upbeat, bouncy, weird song. The festival was over and the boys were all planning for a fall. The cabaret was quiet except for the drilling in the wall. The curfew had been lifted and the gambling wheel shut down. Anyone with any sense had already left town. He was standing in the doorway. Looking like the Jack of This would be way better if the Jack of Hearts was like a smarmy lesbian. Um, not that it was Lily, but like. I mean, that's on brand. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. That's the first time we said lesbian. I know. I should have said it immediately. But it's just like, he says he so much. He genders the oh, Jack of Hearts so much. That I was like, uh, I can't play with the ambiguity. Because Bob does do that a lot, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it is Lily, I'm into that. I'm even into her being like gender bendy alter ego type mm. where it's like now i am the character of jack of hearts it's <laughs> pretty great because we are a real podcast though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you remember when we did a supplemental series on folk singers choice yeah yes and yeah. you did a yarn on cynthia gooding i did we got a reply to our video i mean this was back in the day when we could i could reasonably make a video on time and put it onto youtube we oh. have we have, I think, possibly just this one video. Wow. And it is uh, Kelly Explains, an old Hilarious. segment. Uh, Kelly's Corner. That's what we're also doing with the two Ks. Uh, but this is the Cynthia Gooding. And we actually got a reply On the from YouTube Sandra video? Mori. Yeah. Weird. She said, I just found this. Cynthia Gooding was wonderful. I cut my teeth learning child ballads. She recorded. It's funny. I didn't mention the child ballads in this, but the pen knife is actually used in multiple child ballads. Um dating back a long time ago, like old nursery rhymes. There's a collection of them and um, they're the pen knife is actually used in multiple. Um, one of them is like, uh, they call it the, their wee pen knife, you know, to apply sure. how small it is. Um, one of them has the pen knife decapitating someone and another one, a mother kills her child and the blood won't come off the pen knife. So the pen knife is definitely, uh, cool. I mean, these are some brutal stories, but anyways, I found it incredible that like, as we're doing this episode, this came up. So I cut my teeth on learning child ballad she recorded. I learned Catherine Jaffrey or The Green Wedding as I roved out, Cupulas, Wally Wally, and so on. She recorded Young Man and a, Young Man and a Maid on Electra with Theo Bickle. What a marvelous singer. I didn't know she put up Dylan and interviewed him. So that was fun to find. Thanks. Oh, wow. Well, that's really sweet. Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. Amazing. Uh, maybe we should put some on YouTube. Well, I mean, that was my plan. We, ha- we yeah. had so many fun corners. Like uh, the other one that I, I still have and I've been working on was your riff on Days of 49. That was going to be our, because you explained what the Days of 49 were. Life, I, think back to that time. Yeah. It's so long ago and it's just a different world that we live in. That's true. Work is so much more stressful and so shitty and the world is like way worse. Oh, yeah. It's just hard to like devote all the time to this, especially when we have multiple podcasts and stuff. It's just, yeah. this was a, this was a very wonderful little time and being able to put up a cool video. So I recommend I'll put it in the show notes, go back and listen to it. Thanks, Sandra. That's fantastic. Yeah, thanks. 
And if you want to get in touch with us, obviously our YouTube channel is super relevant. <laughs> we, we definitely put that out, what, in 2017? Sandra, maybe, maybe add us. But thank you. Yeah, uh, d- definitely uh, sotwpod.com, sotwpod everywhere, uh, Twitter, the Instagram. You, you got the deal. We also have a playlist to see that my playlist is kept clean on Spotify. Please go ahead and subscribe to that. We change it every single week when we get a new song. We just put a bunch of our fun songs on it. So you can listen to this week, Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, or we store them forever on our website, sotwpod.com. Just search for the the episode and you'll have a link to what we were listening to for the week. So without any further ado, one of my favorite parts is to talk about our playlist. Welcome back to the playlist, Interpol, Deftones, Brian Fallon, and the Foo Fighters. That's it. Wow. Lots of new people. Welcome to the playlist, Vultures United, fucking awesome. Choker, you listened to a bunch of Choker. I sure did. Uh, a guy named Benjamin Gibbard. That's right. Why does he go by Benjamin? I know, right? It's, I love the song though. Uh, Toro right. Imoy. Um, Dro Dreole Dreole I don't know Ooh, Scott Walker Fantomas US Girls Lowland Hum Madam Officer Dharma Bums Lauren Lauren V and Kelsey Aaron Shipman Yes Ooh. Ooh, Kelsey Aaron Shipman was You know what's hilarious I was going to put that on the playlist and then I was like this is a little too much and then I looked at the playlist and you'd already put it on Oh, well, once I listened so to it I was favorite. like it has to be Well so you've got those old punk that's what it reminded me of when you were uh, listening to, you, you know what I'm talking about? You have those, the punk records or whatever, um, from like a Portland punk label and it, it's, it's oh, just got yeah, a bunch yeah. of stuff on it, but yes. it had that one spoken word right. that was like yes. my vagina, my vagina right. you know, whatever. Yes. And we're just like hanging out and all of a sudden. Yeah. Into the Vila Vicula. I can't remember the name of the record label. And yeah. we're just like, what? And so this reminded me immediately of that. And I was like, this has to yes, say. Spoken word. Love, love some spoken word, but. It's, I had to put it at the end. So it's at the end. You can, yeah. uh, and then cover wise, we had Joan Baez. Um, we didn't talk about it, but, um, twice in the song, she brings up like the Colt revolver clicked. I mean, that moment alone, there's this awesome little like old timey piano that just like interludes and it's really cool. You're like, Oh shit. Um, her version was really great. Yeah. And it was the fast upbeat version that I think we all wanted from, from this one. And then uh, I want to shout out because I haven't been able to do it. Mary Lee, Mary Lee's Corvette is, uh, they did a she she did a cover of all of Blood on the Track. Surprisingly, it's not on Spotify. Maybe because it's literally just a cover of the entire record. But she did it at a place called Arlene's Grocery in New York City, which I am surprised to find out was still around. She hmm. recorded that back in like 1975, six, like right after uh, Blood on the Tracks came out, hmm. and it's still there. But whenever I, I saw that before, and back in you know ten years ago, I would see Arlene's Grocery, and I was like, did this lady just like? Is there a piano in a grocery store? And she just like went and just played blood on the tracks because that's dope. Oh, leave me alone. I have hands of my own. I need none of your assistance, I vow. I vow and protest. I'll never be cast by such a rude fellow as thou. By such a rude fellow as thou. Then I laid down the jack of hearts and that's how I won the card game. Of life? Yes. <laughs> Kelly, we were also people in the world this week after a long discussion about Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. Keep it snappy. What else were you doing this week? Okay, rapid fire. Dairy Girls season two. Still one of the best t- TV shows like on the planet. Go watch Dairy Girls. It's fantastic. Big Done. Little Eyes season two. Finally got around to watching that. Also really good. Meryl Streep plays the most like hateable, pitch perfect, annoying person on the planet. It's fantastic. Done. Uh, the Promise Ring. I didn't realize they were a band. 
90s, amazing. You didn't great. realize they were bad? I didn't. I guess I'd oh. never heard their songs before. Oh. And then you played it in the yeah, yeah. car one day, and I was like, this is oh, so you just totally to in my thing? lane. Oh, yeah. I just put it. Listen to discography. Great. Wolf Parade. Also knew they were a band. Didn't really know they were hey. a band. I know you played it the other day, and I was like, funnily enough, I just listened to their whole fucking thing. I don't remember why that happened. Anyway, Japan awesome. Droids. Still a band, still great. I mean, I listened to them before, but I was like, that just happened in my thing, too. Finally got around to watching the newest season, if you will. The newest three episodes of Black Mirror. Oh, right. Uh, right. Yeah, the the video game one is really cool. Right. The one in the middle with the guy from uh, Sherlock is, it could be, it, it should be a procedural episode. Like, insert your favorite procedural TV show here, like NCIS, and which one whatever. Is that? They're like in a cab or? Yeah, yeah. yeah that. It, it didn't really feel like a Black Mirror episode so much as like okay. a little like crime TV show. And then the one with Miley Cyrus was really cute and great. And it's like, a fun lady friendship uh, episode. And I love, I love the Nine Inch Nails pop. It's just so fucking good. And the fact that I had no idea that that was going to be in it. And I was yeah. just like, this is absolutely uh, a Nine Inch Nails song. So what the fuck is happening right now? So that was great. And then reading about it and be like, oh, okay. I got it. It was on purpose. So, <laughs> so, you, so if you've watched it, you would recommend it. So I should go and probably yeah. watch these two at some point. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Tool is mm, on Spotify now after literally a decade of being like, nah, we're not going to ever be on a streaming service. And but now we have a new record coming out and we have to. Right, right exactly. No so, so listen to Tool if you want to or not. I don't know. I'm having some mixed feelings about it. Some of it has not aged well for sure. And I'm a different person now too. So it's a little hard to go back to it. But Anima and Lateralis are still like really fucking amazing records. Uh, and their newest song, I think. Fear and Noc- Fear Inoculum, yeah. Inoculum. Uh, it's 10 and a half minutes, which I'm like, is not off brand for them. But and it, still pretty cool to come back with a 10 minutes. That's, yeah. that's dope. That's your I mean, single. Yeah. That's what's pretty up. great. I, love it. Uh, I think it's some people probably are going to hate it, but I think it's absolutely the direction they've been heading since 10,000 days, especially like it started with lateralis with all this like really spiritual stuff. And 10,000 days was nothing but a record about spirituality and just like opening your mind. He's always been into that shit. Like Alex Gray is his fucking mentor and best friend and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think I think it's way better than the new Perfect Circle record, mm. but it does feel like a mashup of all three of his projects. And that's what I, I mean, I don't know it's if been that's like a decade between. It's right. strange to come back because there's not definitely the same thing. elements of Pucifer in there. There's definitely elements of a Perfect Circle in there, but it's like the guitar sounds that tool. Like when you hear that, you know it's them is in there, but it's only you know five minutes of the ten minute song. It's like really feels like them. Mm. Okay, uh, but yeah, it's mostly spiritual shit. It's like we're you know a step away from aliens kind of thing that they've been. It's definitely in and out of forever. So I, I, I like it. Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm trying to stay away from that. Dan, if you do damn for the don't, it's not like they're old stuff. So I know like, Oh yeah. But then I don't really care. Well, it's a great test for who you are as a fan. Yeah. For this kind of stuff. I mean, it's weird to have a band come back after a long time. Yeah. Even though he's been doing stuff, it's like, you can kind of trace him through the years. Still, it's like 2006, yeah, I think. If you can just listen to it and just enjoy it on mm-hmm. the face of it and not get into the shit, right. that's probably for the best. I will say the cover art looks like somebody who's trying to rip them off did it. Like it looks like a it fan looks, interpretation of yeah. what a tool record would look like. And it I'm looks disappointed like it was made in that. It in the 1990s. Yeah. It was like really bad computer graphics. Uh-huh. And and yeah, and some of this, like the fact that they have synth drums on there mm. is really weird. And I don't know, they made a lot of strange choices. Yeah. But I don't. Well, maybe it'll I'm not off. saying it's bad. I mean, and I would like to hear it in the context of the record too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that. All those yeah. things. I do want to talk about too.
keep mine brief. I just got a couple of records this this week. Uh, bon Iver came out with a new record. Or Bon Iver. Bon Iver. If you're uh, from Italy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, comma, I, I, I. Uh, it's it's re- really good. I just it sounds so good. It's really lovely. He's very talented, and I like that every record sounds completely different from what he did before. Mm. I gotta say, I respect that, especially for for someone like him that I remember listening to Emma forever ago back in two thousand and eight. I want to say right two thousand seven two thousand eight. That was such an electric thing at the time for whatever reason. It was really the lore of going to a cabin writing a bunch of songs that just became that, and it was so good. And just be able to turn that around and be like working with hip hop artists and Kanye and like, what a career. It's crazy. And to still be in Wisconsin and to still be, you know, local. If you come to know, faithful over these last couple of years are pop punk melodic hardcore bands that you think are done and then they come out of nowhere with a fucking amazing record strung out songs of armor and devotion man i have slept on strung out for my entire life and this thing bangs they are so fucking good uh if you're looking for for melodic hardcore punk anything you're not you're not gonna beat this this year this is fucking great so i highly recommend it and then just want to say tony morrison passed away this year sorry tony morrison passed away uh at the age of 88 this month uh, just a couple uh weeks ago we i have my introduction to her was a book called jazz and then it led me to beloved and the bluest eye um i think that's as far as i've gone you uh, did you ever read it in school or no in school okay yeah, this this um you know we we talked we did Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts you know a, a narrative song which made me think um, of jazz a lot. I went back on jazz and I was like I want to know more uh, about this very first book that really really impacted me, especially because it was one of the first books that we had like a classroom conversation about, and we really broke down kind of like what we're doing here on the show. We broke down the book and like what's going on. So it made me think about a couple of things. Um, the Jack of Hearts in our episode, he's a trickster character. He's kind of a an amalgam, but there's a line in jazz that made me think about the Jack of hearts as like something that kind of comes into your life and upends you and makes you do something different. It's kind of like, um, you know, Faulkner's quotes, the past is never dead. It's not even the past. Hmm. Um, this is kind of her riff on that, uh, from jazz quote. I was so sure it would happen that the past was an abused record with no choice, but to repeat itself at the crack and no power on earth could lift up the arm that held the needle. Ooh, and we nice. open jazz with a woman going off on a mutil- mutilating a body. Um, oh. So I don't want to, I don't want to, it's not really a spoiler, if you will. It kind of sets up what's to come. But the lady doing it, her name is Violet. And she is 56 in the book. She's lived a hard life. Uh, she's betrayed by her husband, who is the main character of the book. Um, and the woman who's dead is his teenage lover uh, who he also murders. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that moment. And that's kind of like, imagine watching a show and that's your first thing yet. And then you go back and retrace. How do we get to this moment? 
She was also um, a part of, uh, she, you know, she's living this life where everybody knows that her husband's cheating on her. She's a part of all these rumors and stuff. And I called our girl, Rosemary, I called her busted. I I am basically being the rude boy over here uh, calling people names. And I and I felt, you know, retroactively this this kinship to, to Violet. I think I think you sort of you really care for her in the book. And so you got to care for Rosemary. And in the end, Violet, all Violet wanted was she. there's a line from her that says, quote, I want some fat in this life. And we've talked about the fat on the bones, you know, wanting more to life. And for us, Rosemary does it. Now, the mutilation part, we don't know what she did after she got a hold of steady in her eyes. We don't know what came after that. True. There might be some corpse mutilation. And if you want to know more about corpse mutilation, we talk about it in our Buffy episode. Oh, yeah. You can learn about how it's very illegal. (laughs) (laughs) And in the very end, uh, this was one of the first moments where a book ends almost talking directly to you. And I remember like my mind being blown. The book ends, not really a spoiler, but, you know, if you don't know, I don't know what to say. Uh, It says it's after this long soliloquy about what's going on. uh, It's almost like they turn to you and say, say, make me remake me. You are free to do it. And I am free to let you because look. Look, look at where your hands are now and the book ends and you're looking at your hands reading the book and it's like an invitation to be creative and to like do something, remake me, re, you know, change things, be different, be something else. Uh, and it was just a really amazing like change of, of focus, a change of viewpoint and to be like, oh my God, I was a part of this book the whole time. I could have been someone to step in. I could have been someone to be, you know, to help someone, to offer something to someone else. Um, and I think it's a very challenging concept, especially for a high schooler. And I just, it, for me, that really relates to Jack of Hearts. I mean, people happening and we have all of these characters that we don't get all the point of views for. And it's re- it was really fun, this episode, to make up our own iterations of like who these people are and what type of world they live in. And I think we all have the power to do that. And songs are great for it because they're lyrical by nature and they don't give you all of the all the details. So highly recommend, uh, maybe not jazz, but definitely Beloved and definitely The Bluest Eye. Amazing books. All right. All right, so that was Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, an epic tale. One would say rivaling the unmentioned show that disappointed all of us. Oh, my God. Can't say what it is. That's right. All these weeks later, we're still bringing up the unmentionable show. And so full of characters. You remember how we were going to have a Halloween party one day with all of Bob Dylan's characters? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Who wants to be the Jack of Hearts? Anybody wants to be. I want to be the hangman. Ooh, I want to be the organ grinder. That's nice. He maybe shows up. I want to be the drillers drilling in the wall. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> you know what else is out? Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts off our spreadsheet. Bye, losers. Yeah. 
It didn't turn out well for all of you. That's too bad. <laughs> One out of 414, Kelly. What are we doing next week? 141. 141. 141. You're really, really close. 141 in a different world would have been a song off of self-portrait. Man, we haven't done self-portrait in a long time. A song called It Hurts Me Too, which I don't actually know what that song even sounds like. Oh, wow. Let's be real. Save it for later. Okay. You guessed 141. It was actually 341, so you're really close. (laughs) Really close. 341. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. It's warm outside, and you're like, you just want to get in a car and drive away. In fact, I'm driving away very, very soon. We're going to listen next week to one of my favorite songs by Bob Dylan because it comes after my all-time favorite song by Bob Dylan called Summer Days off of 2001's Love and Theft. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. It's the song after Mississippi? Hell yeah. That's another So join us next week for Summer Days because it's summer outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see you next week for Summer Days. Enjoy your summer out there. I hope you're having a good one. And we'll springtime summer slide into fall. <laughs> See you next I know week. No, you're gonna change your mind when things go wrong. So wrong with you. It hurts me too. I want you, baby, just to understand.